Today's episode is sponsored by Alone in the Dark. The highly anticipated new reimagination by Pieces Interactive and THQ Nordic. Play as Edward Carnby or Emily Hartwood to explore your environments, fight monsters, solve puzzles, and uncover the true secret of Dorsetto Manor. Our favorite heroes are brought to life by Hollywood stars Jodie Comer of Killing Eve and David Harbour of Stranger Things, who lend not only their voices, but their appearance and their formidable acting skills to the brave protagonists. Experience a deep psychological story that goes beyond the realms of the imaginable, all dreamed up by Mikhail Hedberg, cult horror writer of Soma and Amnesia. The team at Pieces Interactive is supported by monster designer and legendary Guillermo del Toro collaborator Guy Davis, as well as doom jazz legend Jason Conan, who provides his eerie and haunting melodies for the right atmosphere. Alone in the Dark is available March 20th on PS5, Xbox Series XS, and PC. Pre-order your copy now and escape into the dark. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Before we get to the story... Narrator Megan McDuffie is going to share with us the charity of her choosing. Hey everyone, this is Megan McDuffie. For this year, I'd like to focus my donation on Hope for Paws, a nonprofit animal rescue organization in Los Angeles. Hope for Paws does incredible work for neglected, homeless, and abused animals in LA County, and sometimes nationwide. They often risk their own lives to aid our fuzzy friends in need. They've amassed a huge following on YouTube where you can watch the constant, downright nerve-wracking and heartwarming rescues they perform every single day. It's absolutely shocking, some of the horrific abuse and neglect that innocent animals go through, and Hope for Paws gets many of them out of these horrible situations. But they could always use more help. I have two kitties at home, and like many of you, they are my fur babies and the lights of my life. I want to give great lives to all animals out there, but the best I can do as one person is to give back to a team like Hope for Paws. Thanks, Megan. Creepies donated $100 to Hope for Paws. To learn more, please visit hopeforpaws.org. That's P-A-W-S. Now... This is... Creepy, a podcast dedicated to sharing the most famous, chilling, and disturbing creepypastas and urban legends in the world. Whether these stories truly happened or are simply fabrications is for you to decide. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence and explicit language. 
Listener discretion is advised. Creepy Presents My Mother-in-Law Was a Monster Written by Her Creation and narrated by Alicia Atkins I understand it's a bit of a cliché to say so, but my mother-in-law truly earned the title. It's been years since this all happened, and I finally feel like I can tell my story without suffering an immediate panic attack. It's a rough one, but it's one that needs to be told. I can assure you that I'm not here to lie to you. I see no point in weaving a salacious tale simply to entertain the masses. In fact, I wish I didn't have to tell it at all. For the sake of my recovery, though, I feel I must. And perhaps, by doing so, my mistakes will serve as a warning to those like me. The compliant. The accommodating. The women who will bend over backwards just to be pushed a little further. Until your back cracks and you're dizzy from the blood pooling in your head. And still, you smile and say, No, a little further won't hurt. From the beginning... My relationship with my mother-in-law was strained. It was clear from day one that I would never be good enough for her son. He was her pride and joy, her forever prince, her baby boy. To me, though, he was just Rick. He was my husband, and I loved him. I loved him so much that I was willing to stick through every torturous interaction with my mother-in-law. I laughed off every underhanded insult. I just love how career-oriented you are, dearie. I'm sure the grandbabies will come when you're good and ready to settle down. You've still got a few years left, right? How old are you again? I smiled through each tantrum she threw. What do you mean you won't be coming home for Christmas, Ricky? Holidays are meant for families. You and Elena are not family. Not until you have children. I bit my tongue each time she treated each boundary I made, no matter how reasonable or healthy, as a hurdle to launch herself over. Elena, I give you and Ricky everything, and I do it because I love you. You don't want me to call every night? Fine. If you hate me this much, the least you could do is let my son talk to me. You're isolating him from his mother. I'm worried you're becoming abusive. Over the years... I've come to regret my silence, and I've grown to resent my, now ex, husband for his silence, for the part he played in the events that unfolded. Through it all, I stayed quiet, stayed agreeable, and endlessly fucking accommodating. I knew I was fighting a losing battle, and if I wanted to remain part of the family, I'd have to throw my hands up. I'd have to wave the proverbial white flag and surrender. After all, Rick certainly wasn't going to fight for me. I remember how, towards the beginning of our marriage, when I lapped up his love like water after a drought, only to find it made my mind fuzzy and malleable, like I downed three shots of vodka in quick succession. I remember how he held me, how he smelled of vanilla and musk, how he told me with a straight face that he'd catch a grenade from me, how I'd gaze up at him with fucking doe eyes, blissfully unaware and blissfully in love. It was only a week later when I had the radio on that I found out that sweet sentiment was ripped straight from a fucking Bruno Mars song. 
That just about sums up our relationship. He faked. I bought. He stood by as his mother hurled personal attacks. I bit my tongue and smiled. 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 When we finally did conceive, it was an accident. Rick was so happy, though, that I decided to go along with it. I certainly wanted children, but it all felt like it was happening too quickly. I'd have to make major changes to my life, to my career path. It was earlier than we planned, but it was abundantly clear that Rick couldn't bear waiting another year or two anymore. I wanted to wait until I was sure the pregnancy was viable before sharing the news with friends and family, mostly to avoid his mother's inevitable comments about her barren daughter-in-law. Oh, Alana, I'm so sorry, dear. I thought you'd be happy. After all, this is what you wanted, hmm? A couple more years to spend climbing the corporate ladder? I found Rick in the guest room the next morning, whispering what should have been our announcement to his mother over the phone against my clear wishes. He gave me a slight grimace, awkwardly shrugging his shoulders as if to say, Oopsie. Oopsie indeed. It was a surprise, though one I probably should have expected, when my mother-in-law showed up at our doorstep that evening, grinning ear to ear. Her excitement was palpable. I suddenly felt like a surrogate for her hopes and dreams, for her beautiful and innocent and perfect grandbaby. She held a gift in her hands, a potted plant. Something to help you learn to nurture, Mama. I bit my tongue. She cackled. Rick welcomed her in. She was over a lot in those first few months, taking care of small household chores. Don't be silly, Alana. Sit down and let me take care of that. Stress is bad for the baby, after all. She brainstormed cute nicknames for my baby to call her. I'm thinking Mama Pearl. What do you think, Alana? Does that make me sound old? She cradled foil-covered dishes in her arms when I greeted her at the door, brushed past me to shove all kinds of casseroles into the oven for dinner. Groceries I bought went bad. Potatoes sprouted in the pantry and spinach wilted in the crisper drawer. I came to understand that whenever my husband preheated the oven, whenever he picked up the living room and wiped down the counters, whenever he did anything around the house on his own accord, it could only mean that mother-in-law was coming over. He certainly wasn't going to tell me. Too much conflict that way. Too hard on him. She filled me with all sorts of fantastical ideas of how pregnancy would make me feel. How wonderful each and every single moment would be knowing that I was carrying my future child. She reminisced about how caring Rick felt. How connected she felt to him. She swore up and down that pregnancy was the absolute best experience of her entire life. She cackled, joking that she wished she could have kept my husband in her. How she would have kept him in there forever if she could. I loved my child all throughout my pregnancy, but I couldn't help but think that my mother-in-law's idea of pregnancy was unrealistic. Either that, or something was immensely wrong with me. I felt guilty for not feeling the way she said I should. It was hard to find the magic through near-constant vomiting. I couldn't find the moments of joy at the bottom of the toilet bowl I became intimately acquainted with. It didn't feel like a gift from God when I felt like a lumpy potato aptly dressed in potato sack maternity dresses. It wasn't some transcendent fucking experience 
when I was practically bedridden towards the end of pregnancy. Not by choice, but because my mother-in-law insisted that I needed my rest. Now, don't you worry, dear. Let Mama Pearl take care of you. You're not superwoman. You're pregnant. Still, I forgave every misstep, every instance of trampling over fairly drawn boundaries, both from my mother-in-law and from my husband. I placed the plant she gifted me up on the kitchen sill in a proper amount of light. I watered it. I checked the pH levels in the soil. I tended to it. I cared for it. I fucking nourished it, convincing myself that if I could get this little plant to flourish, so too would my baby. And so too would my relationship with my mother-in-law. And, as odd as it sounds, it seemed like it was actually working. My mother-in-law was still herself, but she was considerably kinder than she had been before the pregnancy. But when Rick had to go away for work close to my due date, when he was so sorry but he couldn't get out of it, I dreaded the thought of his mother moving in to care for me while he was gone for an entire week. Still, I agreed. I gritted my teeth, narrowed my eyes, fired off a dozen nasty words in my mind, and then I remained entirely compliant. As always. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. She showed up a full hour before my husband left for the airport, stealing the last moments I had with Rick before he left me with her. I retired to the bedroom. I practically lived there anyway. By the time I woke up from my nap, I was alone in my house with my mother-in-law. She offered to bring my dinner up to me, but I opted to come to the kitchen. She seemed impressed. Good to stay active, Mama. It'll help you lose that pesky baby weight later. And I ate my eighth million casserole without complaint. I found myself with some body aches after I'd finished dinner, and my mother-in-law was quick to pick up. Something bothering you, Alana? Sighing, I nodded. Everything just hurts. All the time. Honestly, I feel like shit. She cackled. I'd be lying if I said there were no hard moments with Ricky, she admitted, coy. I cocked an eyebrow. Really? Really? She replied over her shoulder, washing my dish in the sink. She never used the dishwasher. I don't trust these machines. Dishes are always cleaner when done by hand. Let me make you some tea. I cradled my forehead in my hands. Honestly, I just want to go to bed. Oh, now, now. I'll make you something special. Something to quiet the mind and to dull the pain. I thought about rejecting, but if there was one thing my mother-in-law was good at, it was home remedies. She had a concoction for every ailment you could think of, and they always worked. So, I simply nodded, and she put the kettle on, gathering herbs into a tea ball. 
She submerged the strainer full of herbs in a cup of streaming water, blowing across the surface before gently setting the steeping tea in front of me. I took a sip, noting it had a bit of a bite. I wanted to say something about it, but I bit my tongue. Talking back would certainly mean that I didn't care for the baby, that I was somehow already a bad mom in her eyes. She watched me as I ever so dutifully finished the rest. I coughed, sliding the cup across the counter. Suddenly, there was a searing pain in my throat. I tried to speak, but my throat was rapidly growing hoarse. My mother-in-law guided me out of the kitchen, into my room. It was only then that I noticed the houseplant. Each of its leaves had been clipped off low on their stalks. When I woke up the next morning, the pain in my throat was gone. Replaced by nothingness. By numbness. My mouth was sore. Raw. Lined with painful blisters. My tongue was swollen, like it grown several sizes. It felt wrong. Foreign in my mouth. There was a new pain in my wrists and ankles. I realized, absolutely horrified, that I'd been shackled to the bed. My phone was nowhere in sight, as if I could get to it in the first place. My mother-in-law popped in, cooing. How we doing today, Mama? I opened my mouth to speak, to scream, to demand she let me go. Nothing came out. I'd finally decided to speak out against my mother-in-law, and now I physically couldn't. She smirked. Lost your voice, Alana? I always thought you did talk too much. She winked. I spent the rest of the day alone, save for visits from mother-in-law. She brought gloppy casseroles and water. I refused the food, but knew I needed to drink to stay alive. Every time she left the room, I tried desperately to escape. It was no use. The next night, I went into labor. It was earlier than expected, and I tried to hide it from her. She knew as soon as she walked in the room and found me sweating and straining. Tisk, tisk, Alana. My mother-in-law clucked. She probably knew my expected due date better than even I did. I told you to give up coffee but you insisted on that one cappuccino last month. Decaf is still calf, you know. My carefully laid birth plan, the one thing I had any control over in the past nine months, fell apart in moments. She wasn't taking me to the hospital. You do know what kinds of dirty diseases fester at hospitals. I wouldn't dream of putting our baby in danger like that. Shame on you. She refused to call my husband. We needn't bother Rick right now. I always told you, the man is supposed to work. Delivering babies should be women's work. Always has been. She was going to deliver my baby there, in that bed, and there was nothing I could do to change it. The pain was excruciating, and I barely had a voice to scream out with. Couldn't even crush my husband's hand in my own. Couldn't even tell him how much I hated him between contractions. While the pain was beyond belief, it paled in comparison to the most horrifying aspect of the dreadful delivery. My mother-in-law was always frail, always just a little bit off in appearance. But as I continued to push, and as the hours continued to pass, something happened to her.
the first thing I noticed was her fingers, when she brushed them lovingly, possessively, rather, over my protruding belly. They looked awfully spindly, terribly bony, knobby. Gargantuan knuckles strained under paper-thin skin. Nails yellow, thickened, chipped. Her hair thinned out, stringy and greasy, a visible bald spot at the crown of her head. Her back arched, her gnarled spine clearly visible beneath the stained fabric of her dress. Her shoulders rounded and slouched forward into a disturbing kyphosis, like she was caving in on herself. She grew more horrifying and even more horrifying still with each passing contraction, with each devilish cackle. I'll never forget the look in her beady eyes. Unhinged. Ravenous. The worst was when she snapped one of her eyes up to meet my gaze, the other still firmly locked on the task at hand, beneath the tent of my dress, staring down her captive and her precious, perfect grandbaby simultaneously. Soon after that, it was over. My heart swelled when I heard my baby cry for the first time, when I finally pushed him out of me and into the world. When it was all over, she took him in her arms, cooing. She severed the cord with sharpened teeth, grinding my last connection to my baby down until it released. She stood, but her back didn't straighten. I furrowed my brow, pleading with my eyes, wordlessly begging her to let me hold him. She cackled. Instead, she called my husband to deliver the delightful news of our delivery. He's beautiful. He's precious. He's just the most perfect grandbaby I've ever seen. He looks just like you, just like my baby boy Rick. I could hear his response on the other line. Is Alana okay? She's lost her voice, dearie. Practically screamed the whole house down. I say, when I gave birth to you... He cut her off. Mom. You didn't. Mom. Please tell me you didn't. She cackled. Oh, hush, darling. Mommy knows best. My baby screamed as she carried him out of the room. He screamed until they were out of the house. Until the door creaked open and slammed shut. And then he screamed some more. He screamed until I couldn't hear him anymore. I winced in pain as I tried to scream back. As I tried to yell after him. So he'd know the voice of his mother. Rick hurried back that night. He released me, and I grabbed a pen and paper. Call the cops. Your mother took the baby. He cocked his head, asked what had happened. I detailed everything that happened during the visit, much like I've done now. He sighed. He stuttered. I could practically see his spine wobble. It might as well have just slithered out of his ass for all the good it did for him. I knew it before he said it. He couldn't go against his mother. Not even now. Not even if it meant life or death for his own child. She was too dangerous for him to even try. Rick and I divorced. I haven't seen his mother since that horrible day. Rick hasn't seen her either. But I doubt he'd tell me even if he had. He knows I'll never stop looking for my child. I threw the plant out. There was no salvaging it anyway. 
It was the first plant I'd ever had that I hadn't killed. A life that I grew from nothing. A life that gave me hope for my future as a mother. Originally, I thought that was the point of the gift. An uncharacteristically thoughtful move on the part of my mother-in-law. After doing some research, though, I found that the plant had poisonous properties. If ingested, it could cause paralysis of the vocal cords, painful or complete loss of speech. I carefully tended to that plant, just as I carefully tended to my relationship with my mother-in-law. And in the end, I grew the very mechanism she used to finally take my voice. For more information, including pictures and videos of the stories told on this podcast, please visit creepypod.com. If you'd like to submit a story for consideration or recommend a story, please see our submission page at creepypod.com slash submissions. All stories told on this podcast are done so through Creative Commons share-alike licensing or with written consent from the authors. No portion of this podcast may be rebroadcast or otherwise distributed without the express written consent of the Creepy Podcast production team and the story's author. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Item number SCP-5186 SCP-7160 SCP-7533 Object class Euclid Keter Safe Special containment procedures Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust <laughs> The only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing <laughs> Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.